Hey, welcome to a Stonewall's Perspective podcast. In this podcast, Alex gives his perspective on what is going on in the world. It is his mission to bring the light of the gospel into every aspect of life. We hope you enjoy. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of a Stonewall's Perspective podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Stone. I'm on a mission to spread the light of the gospel into every aspect of life. And yes, I did say every, including the things that people do not like to talk about such as politics. I am here at the Reawaken America tour in Nashville, Tennessee at Pastor Greg Locke's church. Now, I have with me someone who is amazing, someone who is behind, really, this whole thing. Uh, now, we see Clay Clark all the time, uh, but someone that we don't see is uh, his wife, Vanessa, who is behind Clay Clark. Without Clay, uh, w- excuse me, without Vanessa, there would be no Clay. Without Clay, there would be no Vanessa. Uh, and so, I think your story is phenomenal. Uh, and a lot of people have not heard your story uh, about how you uh, really were a warrior mama, uh, and you and you fought for your son, and you fought for your family uh, through prayer. Uh, so, Vanessa, why don't you talk about that to my audience today? Yes, um, you know, it, it's hard to know exactly where to start. You know, Clay and I met uh, first day of freshman orientation at ORU. Am I, am I good here? Am I close enough? No, you're good. And um, we just became great friends, um, but we had different views. Um, you know, I was raised in a home that... Uh, um, I was introduced to Jesus. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior while watching a Billy Graham crusade on TV at five years old. But other than that, we weren't in church. So, um, uh, you know, and Clay was raised in a family where they were in church all the time. And they they really struggled financially and um, prayed about that a lot, but he didn't see any action. So it kind of turned him off to all things, um, I guess, in the spirit because he didn't see action as well. So he, did, he didn't... He hadn't experienced results. So we became really good friends, and um, uh, we got engaged. We, we started dating second semester at freshman year. We are engaged summer after freshman year, married summer after sophomore year, and, and got married. And, and we had opposite viewpoints, which I guess you probably wouldn't usually encourage someone to marry someone with the opposite viewpoint. Um, but I will say in my defense... Um, the third time I met him, I see, I never thought I was going to get married. I thought I was going to go on to be a broadcast journalist, and that would be my number one thing, and so I need to put all my focus there. But the third time I went out with him, I don't know how to tell you, I knew. I knew I was going to marry him. So long story short, uh, we had we didn't have the same worldview. Um, and we, we got along great. We worked together. Uh, but we never argued about it. I always just thought, because I would bring him to a lot of, obviously we go to family events. I have a big extended family. And I always be, remember being kind of annoyed and frustrated when people would want to debate with him. So I thought, you're never going to change someone's worldview by arguing with them about it. Right. But I always knew that God would somehow reveal himself and reveal the truth to Clay because I was praying about it. So I knew at some point that would happen. And, and that's the only one... That's the only way someone's heart is going to be changed is from revelation from the Lord, by being touched by Him. And, um, you know, each one of us, that's the only reason why we are where we are is that God has drawn us to Him. Right. Um, So, it really all came to a head, though, when um, our son was born blind. Um, It really forced a lot of issues there because... uh, well, first off, when Aubrey was born blind, he was he was our second child. We had Havana first, and um, almost uh, about two and a half years later, we had Aubrey, our only son. And we didn't know he was blind until he was three months old. And his, his eyes didn't have like a, they didn't look different, 
He just didn't respond, didn't ever make eye contact. Um, he was very needy. You couldn't put him down because he'd start crying because obviously he didn't know where you were. We didn't know that. Uh, but when we found out Aubrey was blind, it made our, uh, Clay run even further from the Lord, right? And he said that he pretty much vowed he would not pray for Aubrey. He said any God that would allow an innocent baby to be born blind is either A, not all powerful because he couldn't even stop it, or B, not good because he could have stopped it and he chose not to. So to him, um, and to me, it was really painful that he didn't want to pray for him where I thought and knew the only the only hope we had was in the Lord. Yep. Um, and looking back, you know, I'm going over just kind of hitting the highlights, but um, there was, now I know that the Lord was speaking to me through those times, but being that I, I grew up pretty much unchurched other than like Easter and Christmas, um, and then I wasn't introduced to... I guess you know, all, all the things in the Bible, speaking in tongues, um, word of knowledge, um, the gift of faith, all these things until really at ORU, at Oral Roberts University. And that's when I was introduced to, I guess, the whole charismatic movement, you can say, which I totally ate up and was open to. And, and so God, if you hadn't even brought me to ORU, I wouldn't have even probably known to ask for Aubrey to be healed. But I know now that God was speaking to me. I didn't recognize it because I didn't hear a booming voice or have a dream or a vision or even know how to speak in tongues. All these things I heard people at ORU experiencing, I thought because I don't have those experiences, God doesn't speak to me. Um, so, but he was speaking to me. As soon as Aubrey was born blind, I remember leaving the doctor's office and over and over repeating in my mind was the scripture, why was this man born blind? Why was this man born blind? Which is really interesting that that's what was being repeated because, um, the first thought I had was guilt that somehow I had caused this to happen to our child. Somehow maybe I didn't eat the right things during pregnancy or maybe had been exposed to a, a toxin. I remember, you know, I coached cheer at the time and at the gym, they had refinished all the wood floors. I thought, oh no, I must have breathed that in. And so that scripture, you know, it says, you know, Rabbi, why was this man born blind? For the sins of his parents or his own? And Jesus replied, neither. He was born this way so that my glory might be shown. And when I read that, I knew Aubrey would be healed. And the only reason you can know that is because God, that was him speaking to me, right? But I didn't recognize that at the time. And um, so I became fully convinced of that. I became obsessed with, I, I Googled God's promises, started reading scriptures. I wanted to find uh, different examples of in the now God healing people. And you can find them on, on the internet. That's partially why I wrote my book later. I, th I, those were so life-giving me to, to read other people's experiences of God healing them. Um, and Clay, at a certain point, thought I was crazy. <laughs> Which makes sense because... And, uh, you know, he said, hey, I heard we need to get him on the, the wait list for the little lighthouse, wait list for the school of the blind. And I did none of those things because in my mind, I thought, well, why would I do that? He's going to see. He's going to be healed. Yes. So that's the first time that our, our, our world be like it became a big thing. Um, and so I think he just kind of left me to do my own thing as far as didn't argue about it until it came to a point where I was just talking so much about him being healed and then when it wouldn't happen I was like on an emotional roller coaster then I would get kind of real down about you know when is this going to happen I don't want to be waiting forever and, uh, and he said we, we laugh about it now because he tried to ban me from praying oh, no. <laughs> but you know he said I don't think it's good for you I don't think this is good and I remember thinking um, 
you know, I you hear about stories growing up about people who get problems with drugs or alcohol or depression, or, and I could never relate or understand to that. And in that moment, I thought, I understand, because if I didn't have Jesus, like, that could so easily be me. Yes. And, and I thought, he doesn't even understand what he's saying, saying he thinks that I'm, like, not... I'm in denial, and he wants to take away the one thing that's keeping me sane. Does that make sense? But he had no reference for it. He didn't make to him. It didn't. You know, God wasn't going to do anything. So, anyways, the whole time from the time Aubrey was diagnosed as being blind, so he was healed. It was only six weeks, which isn't a very long time. But for me, it felt like a lifetime. Because every day I wanted to know, is today the day he's going to be healed? I knew he would be healed. I didn't know when. I thought, Lord, don't don't let it be when he's 18. Like, I, I, I'll get emotional. I wanted him to have all the experiences, you know, growing up. There's so many things you uh, mourn that you don't think about that you take for granted. I thought, like, I want him to be able to, you know, be with friends growing up and be such Just so many different things. But, um... Long story short, before Aubrey was healed, this is very interesting to me, Clay received a word that he would be healed. And then I got, I got mad because um, there was someone who worked for us at the office, and the, he was a DJ at the time. Mm-hmm. And he sent an email to Clay saying that Aubrey would be healed. And Clay got so mad, he deleted it. And uh, it didn't say anything to me about it at the time. And then it came up in conversation later, and he said, oh... Nate Mosley, he sent an email saying that Aubrey would see. And I said, well, why would he say that? He goes, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? So I called this guy, Nate, and I said, "You Clay said you sent an email saying that Aubrey would be healed. He goes, yeah, I did. And I said, well, why did you, you say that? He said, well, God told me. And I was kind of annoyed because I said, well, I don't understand. I've been on my knees every day, like, you know, crying, praying to God. I said, he hasn't told me anything. So again, I didn't recognize God was speaking to me every day. To have this total conviction to know that he'd be healed, that was right. God speaking. Yeah. He gave me different verses that convinced me of that. He sent people into my life even they gave me confirmation. But I didn't recognize any of that as God speaking to me because I didn't see an angel, have a dream, have a vision, you know. Um, and so he gave me a story. He said, this, this, the guy said, I was on my honeymoon down in Mexico, and every day we'd sleep in until like 11. He goes, but on Thursday, I sat straight up in bed at 7 in the morning, was speaking in tongues, and when I was done, I felt all over that um, Aubrey was going to be healed, and I needed to tell Clay. He goes, so I figured I'd tell Clay when I got back to work next week. He goes, but I couldn't go back to sleep. He goes, so it was expensive. I had to pay someone to drive me all across the resort to send the email saying he would be healed. And he goes, and then I came back and went back to sleep. Yeah, so him saying that, I was so excited. I said, oh, my gosh. I said, so you you really think that that he'll be healed or that he could be healed? And he said, no, you're not listening. I know he'll be healed. So about a week from that conversation, um, he started seeing. So, and, 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 and it, it, I'm skipping over a lot, but in that time as well, um, Clay prayed for Aubrey. Um, yes, which he hadn't before. Uh, there's a whole story to that. But, yeah, I... It's just amazing um, to see. So my life changed from that point forward. I see my life as before Aubrey was healed and after because it's like, you know, vision is, hindsight is twenty twenty. My eyes were open afterwards that God has been speaking to me my whole life, but I never recognized it. So now after that, I kind of like tuned in to hear what he had to say and recognize that he was talking to me every day. And suddenly I saw God everywhere. <laughs> Wow, that's a phenomenal story. And you know, you, you referenced the verse where 
uh, you know, the people were talking to Jesus, like, why is this man blind? And it was to give God glory. That's right. I, I'm thinking about your situation. What would have happened if, you know, I, either Aubrey wasn't blind in the first place or, or he never got healed? I don't think that this would exist without, without God working and God moving and God healing uh, your son Aubrey. I don't, I don't think that God would get the glory the way that he is at the Reawaken America Tour. I don't think a Reawaken America Tour would even exist without that situation. Uh, and I, I, you know, I was just thinking about that the whole time. God works mightily. God works powerfully. And, and you know, it's amazing. And I, I come from a sex, cessationist background, and then I started getting involved with it. I started, you know, praying, God, what what does your word say? What What is going on? What is really going on in this day and age with theology and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, then I started, you know, I came to one of these events in, in Colorado Springs. I met, you know, Dr. Sherwood and this person and that person and, you know, every person or whatever. And after that, my whole perspective changed because I knew that all of these people were, were, were more charismatic, but the love that they have for the Lord and then, you know, things just started to happen. People started laying hands on me. I was getting healed from this and that and just injuries. Um, you know, it's just so cool. The way that God works, and the way that God worked in your story and, and in Clay's life, I, I, it, it's just beautiful. Now, I do have a question. Um, <laughs> I know Clay does not does not like ORU at all. Like, he can't stand it. How, how do you feel about that? Um, I loved ORU. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's very interesting. So uh, we went there for different reasons. Right. You know, his parents originally went there. Mm-hmm. And he uh, wasn't a believer at the time. And so he, when he was in high school, was taking college credit courses at St. Cloud State University. And they had so many different problems. I mean, he was a um, like an art major. And as far as seeing kids on drugs, seeing all kinds of stuff that he didn't want to put up with or have any part of. And so he just thought, pragmatically, I should probably go back down to ORU, where he knew a lot of the kids because he originally was from Tulsa mm-hmm. before they moved to Minnesota. And uh, so it was a pragmatic decision for him. So he came back to be in a more stable environment, I guess. Um, he was working his way through school, so paying, like doing weddings, DJing. And there's a lot of rules at ORU. I've never been a rule breaker, so I've, like that does not bother me one bit. And I loved the environment. It was so loving mm-hmm. and learning so much about Jesus. I had not been exposed to all this. Um, and for him, he he's like the type where... He's not out to break a rule, but if it's in his way, he doesn't like he doesn't mind. And so he would get in trouble because he'd be working, DJing these weddings. He wasn't doing bad things. And he would get back after Kurt because boys have a curfew just for one semester freshman year. Girls have it like all four years. Well, he was always breaking it because he'd be out doing these weddings, not doing anything bad. And it drove him crazy that athletes, they would just they would be doing other things and no one would say anything to them. So he, um, that really bothered him. It also bothered him in some doctrine things he found in classes that, and he's just going to say something. He was, he was, didn't like maybe some of the stuff that Richard Roberts had going on, which I understand. Um, and so he's just, he's not, he's not a go along to get along, but it's so interesting because my whole marriage to him, you know, his mom said, uh, his parents meet them. They're the nicest. His dad has passed away now, but they're both very similar in that they're both so sweet, would give you the shirt off their back, um, very passive. And I thought, how did you come from them? Because he's so aggressive. And I remember his mom said, I just want you to know, if you marry my son, you will never have a normal life. 
But I already knew that. Like, I, 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 that's why I think was so, like, I was along for the journey, the adventure. Like, I was, I was sold. So, um, he, I lo- absolutely loved ORU. He did not like the rules that were put in his place where he's like, I'm not a bad kid. I'm not doing anything bad. Here you're, there's kids doing drugs, but because they're athletes, you're, you know, looking the other way. And I'm getting in trouble because I'm DJing a wedding and I'm not making it back by curfew. So, but I think that it laid the groundwork to know what I was in for because he got kicked out and um, uh, they, they, long story short, he wrote a song that wasn't very nice, didn't mean for it to go around campus, but um, someone put it around campus and it was about all the beef he had. There was another guy who in the song with him, nothing happened to him, his dad was a pastor, Um, but Clay was removed, but it let me kind of know, like I remember that time everyone thinking, oh, you're, you're engaged to DJ Clay. He's so bad. He was not a bad kid, okay? Uh, didn't do any of those things, the drinking, any of that stuff that people were doing, but he he would not go. Like, they told him if he, if he would apologize in chapel, he could stay. And he said, I won't apologize because it's true. Yeah. And so he's always been that way in whatever arena we're in. So I just feel like he's just got a bigger arena for it now, but I feel like he's been in training for this his whole life. No, you're exactly right. He's so funny about it, the way that he you know, talks about ORU and then talks about you know, the, the rule-breaking thing or whatever. He just doesn't care about he does not care. stoplights or whatever. Or yeah. He doesn't care about you know how to enter a place. He, he, he said this at the last time I was at your guys' office, is that... The best way you can get into any event is have a suit and tie in a briefcase. And I was like, huh, I wonder what I can do with that. Uh, I probably won't because I'd like to keep my reputation okay-ish. Um, but, but he's just so funny about the way that he goes about it. My, my final you know, question for you is this whole Reawaken America tour, obviously it's booming. Uh, funny I say that. I didn't even mean to do that, but boom is his whole thing. Um it's, it's going everywhere. Uh, it's reaching many, many, many people. Eric Trump, Cash Patel, General Flynn. They're all on this tour. What's it like from your perspective? Because Clay's the, the mastermind behind it. But you're like the woman who's backing Clay. What's yeah. that like for you? Um, well, we didn't know we were going to be doing this. is the first thing. So right. I didn't, wasn't like, there was no emotional, like, getting prepared or ramping up for it. <laughs> all I knew is that, you know, they shut down all the businesses and how we live is we help people grow their business. So right away when that happened, Clay, everyone thinks he's an extrovert. He's an introvert. Huge on researching. Loves his alone time. He's so creative. But he spent his time and very quickly found out what was going on. It's not like a big secret. I mean, they, they put it all out there. And so he thought, I just need to, he wanted to get the message to Trump that there were treatments. That was how, he, that's the first thing he thought. If I can just tell them the treatments, this whole thing's done. He didn't realize we'd never been... We didn't realize there was this big whole thing to keep the treatments from the people, to shut your voice down. He had had a business podcast at the time that had been the top of iTunes regularly. Well, when he started talking about these things, they pulled that podcast. It was gone off Spotify, and he I think he didn't expect any of this. And so he did what he knows how to do. He's always in motion. He took the next step he knew how to do, which is for over a year, he hosted at our business something called Monday Night Mask Meetings. I was like hardly ever there. If I was there, it was rare because my girls had cheer practice at that night and I'd be with the girls. But it was a regular group of people that he brought in local doctors, Dr. Meehan, um, you know, local doctors, Sherwood, to let people know what the treatments were, how they could get the treatments, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and he wanted to kill the spirit of fear. He wanted people to know they didn't need to be afraid. He taught them about the masks. It became common knowledge in our community he was doing this. 
I started to feel pushback from maybe my kids' school places where, where I frequented. So I, I remember he was actually crying in bed one night, and he told me, I'm, Vanessa, I'm supposed to do something more, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I felt like he had this weight of the world on him. Like He felt like he knew, knew all this stuff, but he didn't know how to get it to people. So he knew he was supposed to. So I, my heart went out to him because I could tell he was really upset. And in my mind, I said, well, I think you're doing enough. A lot of people are mad. That's what I told him. I said, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are getting mad. I don't know what else you want to do. Yeah. And it's like once it was given to him what to do, it was like a freedom came. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's so nice. it's been, um, I didn't know we were going to be doing this. And when we, the first event, we thought it was one event. But there's been like a grace to it, which has been so beautiful. There's been a satisfaction that's been given to us to be able to do what God has called you to do. And then in that, also, I think I trust that, like, you know, when after Colorado, when Dominion and Eric Coomer decided they want to sue us, like, I remember I literally laughed when I found out because I thought, well, you obviously have never dealt with people who really know the Lord before because if God told us to do this, we're not going to be like, oh, God told us to do this, but oh, now we're getting sued. I guess we should stop. Like, that's not how this works. And um, so it doesn't matter what is thrown at us, I guess, because we know that we're doing what God has called us to do. So it's been very exciting. I feel very honored and privileged to say, Lord, like, thank you for choosing us to live during this time. And that because for everyone across the world, God has called each one of you listening for something specific that he has that only you can accomplish during this time. And Clay wasn't the first one. He went to the churches first. I don't know if you all know that, but he went to the churches and told them that they need to be doing this. And he set up one event first in, in, in Tulsa, not not the one you know about. And they pulled it the week up because we were going to talk about vaccines, and they said it was too controversial. And he was so mad, and he came to me and said, why am I having to do this? He goes, this is the church's job. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, we're definitely blessed to have been able to do it. Like I said, to have that satisfaction to know we're doing something God has called for us to do, but we never expected it. Um, but it's been an amazing ride. It, it certainly is an amazing ride. And, you know, what, what you said and what Clay said about the, this is the church's job, you know, I'm reminded of a passage in Ezekiel, uh, and I talk about this on my show all the time, but it basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it says that God was looking for someone to stand in the gap mm. and, and someone righteous to stand in the gap, but he found no one, so he destroyed the land. Let that not be America today. Yeah. We have... People like Clay, like yourself, like the pastors on this tour, everyone on this tour who are standing in the gap. And I believe that the reason that America is still here today is because people are indeed standing in the gap. Uh, And when that falls away, when, when, you know, whenever the rapture happens, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, then, then things will just fall apart. Um, but this is such a phenomenal time, such a phenomenal event. And I know that there are people who are probably listening to this who don't like the event because it's, you know, whatever, it's conspiracy theory or whatever. But everything that is on that stage is factual. Clay will always pull someone who isn't factual. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a phenomenal, phenomenal time. So go to timetofreeamerica.com. You can find out about the next events. The next one is in April, I believe. Um, Actually, uh, May. May. Mm -hmm. At Trump uh, Trump Doral in Miami. Uh, And it's going to be a phenomenal time. I'm super excited for it. But where can people find your book? Um, You know what? I think it's on Clay's website. So um, timetofreeamerica.com. uh, probably on products on there and uh, of course if you come to an event I would love to, to, to get you a book as well but it's called Now I See and um, it's just the story it actually starts from when I was little because I realized that God had his hand just like he does on each one of you had his hand on my life the whole time which led to ultimately to Aubrey being healed 
and like you said, which has led us to where we are today. Yeah, it's powerful. Guys, if you go to MyPillow.com, use promo code STONEWALL, you can get a discount of up to 66% off of your order. That is promo code STONEWALL, up to 66% off of your order. God bless you all, and goodbye. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you. I'm Mike Lindell, and due to your incredible support, the original My Slippers are almost completely sold out. As a special thank you, I am launching my brand new all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98. This is a limited-time offer, so go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code, and you'll get all my new footwear for as low as $29.98. My all-season slippers are made with my exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. They're finished with a breathable fabric so you can wear them all year round. And my new slides and sandals are made with patented impact gel, making them ultra comfortable and extremely durable. I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable footwear you'll ever own. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now to get your very own all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98 with your promo code. This is an introductory offer and it won't last long, so order now. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed. You can also check us out at Stonewall's Perspective on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with the latest news. Stay anchored.